Women's sports have been making waves for decades. The progress has been impossible to ignore. Superstars becoming household names and fans cheering on their favorite players globally. In the case of the San Diego Wave, they made an impact from day one. Building a team who can compete from scratch is hard. Building an expansion team who is a title contender is even harder. That was the theme of San Diego Wave last season. Every time a fan thought that they couldn't accomplish even more, the Wave proved them wrong. With an NWSL record crowd in the regular season of 32,000, not to mention Alex Morgan's 109th minute winning goal in the quarterfinals. Before battling against the league's best franchise, Portland Thorns, and losing, they put up a true fight showing why they are the NWSL's most promising franchise. However, in sports, anything can happen. You can never be certain. But this star-studded team will be making many bigger waves this season. Hello, and welcome back to the Women's Soccer Podcast. I am your host, LDG, and today we will be doing our second preview for the NWSL season, this week on San Diego Wave. The team with Alex Morgan, Taylor Korniak, Naomi Gurma, Caitlin Sheridan, and more is truly going to be a force this season. If you are new to women's soccer, this is the team you have to watch. This young, star-studded team is always going to put on a fun show. Whether it's scoring a lot of goals or conceding a few on their own, this team is one of the most high-active teams in the league, running back and forth all game long, always putting on an intense fight, showing why they are one of the league's powerhouses. Before we go into why I think you should watch the San Diego Wave this season, and I inform you a little bit on the team, let's give you some basics. Where is this team located? What's their stadium, their coach, their owner? Well, as the name kind of mentions, this is a team in San Diego, in California. Not really much to talk about there. They play at Snapdragon um, Stadium, which is part of the San Diego State University. It's their football stadium. Um, It has a capacity of 32,000, as I mentioned in my intro, which they sold out. Their coach is a um, Casey Stoney, who uh, a lot of people may know from her international career for the England women's national team. And she started her managerial career over in England, helping to launch the Manchester United's women's team. And she's now moved over here to America to help with this new franchise. They have already played a year. And for their owner, it's Ronald Burkle, who originally was going to um, have the team be in Sacramento. And it was going to be... He he, um, invested in their men's team in 2019 and then pulled out in 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And then uh, after he pulled out, um, he announced... The NBCL announced, excuse me, that he actually um, went into bidding for an NWSL expansion team in Sacramento in uh, in conjunction with the MLS bid, and it would have joined the league in 2022. It never got confirmed. Um, he exited the Sacramento group, and that franchise never came to be. But in 2021, on June 8th, the NWSL announced the San Diego as loca- as the San Diego Wave um, uh, 
as an expansion team owned by Burko. So he's also an owner of the NHL team, the Pit- Pittsburgh Penguins, and he owns a uh, LC, a private investment firm that is world-renowned, including, and he also owns a lot of, he owns Whole Foods. <laughs> he's, um, he's one of, he was 633 on Forbes lists of the richest people on the planet, 2014. So he has a lot of money and he's willing to invest it in to help helping the NWSL grow, which is a great sign, I think. Um, so now that we've gone over the basics, for those of you who know about the team, and you maybe have been sleeping a little bit this offseason on the transactions, don't worry, we got you covered. So we're going to go over all the players who re-signed, who are new to the team, and players who they unfortunately lost. So um, young striker out of Rutgers, Amila, Amira Ali, excuse me, re-signed after a brilliant rookie season. Amira Ali showed a lot of promise in the final third with her extreme ability to take defenders 1v1, similar to a midge purse, some may say, in that ability. And um, she was really great at crossing and using both feet to get the ball into the back of the net. She's a very versatile player, can play on either wing. She also um, has that pace ability that helps her not only on the attacking side of the ball, but also on defensive, on the defensive side of the ball. And she has the ability to press and cause a lot of chaos. I got to watch her firsthand last season um, when she visited my hometown team, New Jersey, New York, Gotham FC. I'll be seeing San Diego Wave against Gotham FC again, because Again, I think the Wave is one of the best teams in the league. I think they're super fun to watch. But yeah, anyway, I think that Amira Ali has proven that she is really going to be important. And I think that this year's going to be a great chance to see her shine a little bit more with players like Alex Morgan, Sophia Jakobsen, um, Taylor Korniak potentially away for the World Cup. There's still going to be a few games that they may miss. Not many, but a few. Um, Challenge Cup, regular season. Uh, not too many, but enough that Amira Ali can get a chance, and other players as well, and every team this goes for, can get a chance to prove why they're there. Um, similar to Bella Breedy, she can also have a chance to fight for the starting 11 spot. And a midfield that's very crowded with talent, with Emily Van Egmond, uh, Taylor Korniak, as I mentioned earlier, and Kelsey Turnbow, Bella Breedy had a really big challenge coming and to this team, but the Stanford graduate showed why she went to Stanford and was one of the elite players there as she showed her technical abilities in the midfield very quickly and her um, very uh, versatile, her very versatile skill set, um, being more of a defensive and an offensive midfielder. She's a box-to-box six, as some may say, um, similar to someone like a Samantha Mewis, I think is a, the player profile positionally. Uh, she's a little smaller at five six, so she doesn't have the height um, part of Sam Mewis, but she's quick, she's versatile. I really liked watching her last season. Um, And yeah, I think that she's going to have another player that gets a chance to break into the starting 11. Mia Zhao is someone who they also re-signed. She didn't really get a lot of playing time last season, but she showed her promise in college. Uh, Was a great defender there. She went to Duke, um, and after getting drafted, the 24-year-old hasn't really gotten too much playing time for the Wave. Uh, She didn't get a huge chance to show herself um and show her abilities but 
she is a player who has you know played at a top university at Duke and I think it's going to be really great to see her perform this season in the NWSL hopefully with her getting more playing time next we have a pair of more experienced defenders I wouldn't call them veterans because they still have proven themselves in this league but they aren't you know um they haven't had such a long career yet Kaylee Real at 26 years old has been called up to represent the youth national teams in the U18 level all the way up to the U23 level. She's proven again and again and again her composure on the ball at 5 foot 8 um, out of Fair, Fairfax Station, Virginia. She's proven her versatility and her dribbling ability. I've watched her twice in person now when she played on Louisville and when she's played with the Wave. Um, both times against Gotham, and I love the fact how she really pairs well with Naomi Gorman last season, with Abby Dahlkemper potentially returning this season. It looks like it might be a Dahlkemper and Gorma partnership with the centre-back position, but again, if Dahlkemper doesn't return, or when um, Naomi Gorma goes on international break, Kaylee Real will still have plenty of chances to show her skill set, which I think a lot of people have already seen. And Madison Pogar, same thing, acquired in a trade last season in the summer for Tegan McGrady. It was a direct swap, I would say, with the Thorns. Um, another player who has experience, has played in a lot of big games in the NWSL, so she knows how to handle pressure, and I think she'll be a good player who will fight for a starting spot alongside Kristen McNabb, who is a left-back um, and last but not least, another player they re-signed was Mackenzie Doniak, the striker. The experienced striker has played in many big games. She's played in a lot for Chicago. She's also been on the Ro- Utah Royals when they were a thing. Um, the 29-year-old from Chino Hills, California, has not just played in the NWSL, but she's played on many teams globally, such as Adelaide United and HB Cog, and she's played on the Red Stars, the Royals, the Courage. She's been in a lot of teams that have won a lot of games, and she's struggled with a few injuries, such as ACL injuries, but... I know that she's going to be getting an, another player who gets more game time this year with uh, competing against players like Alex Morgan and Jody Taylor is hard, but with Jody Taylor departing the club, we'll talk about that later, along with Katie Johnson departing the club, um, and Alex Morgan being away for international breaks, Mackenzie Donnie actually get a more of a chance to shine up top. Speaking of players who they've lost, let's go into a few that they've gained to replace those players. Um... Rachel Hill and Daniel Cole Prico, the pair from the Chicago Red Stars, both extremely great pickups from this side. Rachel Hill um, has played most played most of her career in Orlando but before getting um, traded to the Red Stars. Is a very versatile finisher. She she can play all across the front line, including in that center attacking midfielder position, the ten. She can play the nine, um, the wingers positions. She can play anywhere um, on that front final third and I think that her pace is going to be another menacing weapon to this wave side whether she starts and um in the field or you know as a player who comes off the bench and maybe is a replacement to Korniak if Korniak goes away to the World Cup or and then Eggman who will be away with Australia most likely um so I think that Hill's a great player to replace there um there so quick she's a player that would start on most other teams I would say I think that she's gonna have to fight for a starting spot but I do not doubt that she has the skill sets to be a key player for this team Daniel Colaprico is a pickup that I was insanely disappointed about from Gotham's perspective as a Gotham fan I was really hoping they could get her um 
But for the Wave, amazing signing. Such a good player, well-rounded. Her physicality is incredible and the way she runs around the field um she covers so much ground and tracks back while getting forward and helping the attack she was a big piece of the chicago red stars for a while um has been a part of teams that have made championship game runs she's a player that knows how to get up the field um and while also making an impact defensively probably helps that she was mentored by Juilliards, i assume at the red stars but Speaking of that midfield possession, two more players were acquired there in Sierra Engay for the NWSL draft and Maggie Doherty Howard, who was acquired through free agency. Excuse me. Um, Sierra Engay is a player who they've probably watched very locally, right? She's another one of those players who's more of a six than an eight. Um, she's more of a defensive midfielder for those of you who aren't as familiar with the numbers. She was a great at Stanford. She won the national championship in 2019. She was a three-time Pac-12 champion, um, two College Cup appearances. Her list of accolades at such a young age is pretty impressive. Uh, I I don't know if a lot of people had uh, had her on the, her radar, their radar for the 13th pick, but ever uh, she's still obviously a really great player and I think that the wave knew after probably seeing her locally how good talent how talented she was and so you know she's probably a player who went a little bit under the radar in this draft um but got picked up earlier than I think a lot of people expected by the wave but I don't think that means um Jack's predictions are never fully right right um <laughs> no pun intended the I think that it I think draft predictions are helpful but I think that these are players that are very versatile and being on the Stanford team means you have an incredible skill set. So I think Sierra Ngay will be a great player. And Maggie Doherty Howard, similar profile player profile, who has played she was playing with the Pride last season. The Pride lost two big midfield pieces in Doherty Howard and Jan's daughter. They're gonna struggle this season in that department. But Doherty Howard is a great, again, a six, more of a defensive player. She has similar skill sets to Cola Prico. I would say that out of the four players they gained, um, they're all they all can play in the midfield, but Hill is more of a attacking midfielder as deep that's the deepest she goes, and that's not even her natural position, I would say. She's more of a winger. But um three uh great players in the midfield and one great player up top. San Diego honestly had a great acquisitions, but I think they did lose a few good players, um, and we're going to talk about that right now. They lost a few of their players who joined the team last year, such as Taylor Hansen, Jackie Alsted, Melissa Lauder, Sydney Pulver, Kayla Brewster, and Marlene Schimmer, who didn't really get a lot of game time last season. Honestly, was a little bit of a spectant of this, you know, especially in a league like the NWSL. Every spot on a roster is super competitive, and if you're not getting a lot of playing time, it doesn't mean you're necessarily not the best player. It just means that the coach maybe doesn't see you fitting in their system. So I think that, you know, those players just, you know, there was never really a chance for them at San Diego to bloom. I think they didn't get enough playing time. And I think that, you know, it's maybe just not the right fit for them as a player. These next two or two I was a little bit more shocked on. Jody Taylor as someone who is extremely experienced internationally, playing at the highest levels, um, not just for her club team, but uh, for England. She's played at teams like Arsenal. She has uh, a lot of caps with the England national team, 51 to be precise. She's played all over the world. She's done a lot of 
um, soccer in uh, top clubs such, such as Lyon, the Rain, the Pride, the Wave, the Thorns, Arsenal and Lyon if you're looking overseas, um, plenty of others as well. But she, you know, um, she left the left the wave. She hasn't signed with anyone yet, but she didn't um, announce any retirement, as I'm aware of from my research. Please correct me if I am wrong. But in the Instagram comments of this episode, she's won a Champions League. I think, you know, she's a player that's on the waiver wire right now in the NBCL. So if she's willing to continue a career, our team should be looking to pick her up. The next player I mentioned, though, um, is not lucky um, for other teams. Already got scooped up by Los, Los Angeles or Angel City FC. Katie Johnson's player, I was I hadn't really seen her too much in 2021 she didn't get a lot of playing time so I kind of had forgotten the magic that she brings but she's a great flair when she dribbles the ball she's a great technical ability on the ball you could see that a lot of coaches probably love having her on your team I think it was a smart move to her to go to LA she was not getting the playing time she deserves at San Diego and that's not a knock against Casey Stoney Casey Stoney was dealing with an extremely talented roster and you know some players are just not going to get playing time and maybe it's just not the right fit but I think for Katie Johnson to try and get back into the Mexican national team who didn't qualify for the World Cup again I think that this is a smart move for her um if anyone watched this as I'm recording this it's a Friday a few nights ago, Angel City played Club America at the. Oh God, I for, I keep on I keep on thinking of it as the Bank of California Stadium, but um, it'll take me a little time to adjust. They played uh, a friendly against Club America, and in that game, Katie Johnson played a big piece as a sub off the bench, getting a good assist on the Simone Charlie goal, showing her passing abilities. She's one of those more um, old-fashioned nines who can play as a 10 as well. I think we'll see that um, under Freya Kum's system. We'll talk more about her role on Angel City in our Angel City preview episode, but I think she's a really big loss for San Diego, and to be honest, I think it's unfortunate that they couldn't keep her. Oh, well, like, that's kind of... I feel bad for them because that's a good, that's a gem. So now we're going to move on to some young players on San Diego to look out for. The criteria for this section is players who have played one year or less in the NWSL. So players like our first one, Amir Ali, count because they've played one year. So players that were 2022 rookies or have not played any professional soccer. Like, it doesn't have to be... It's someone who played one year of professional soccer or less. Our first player, Amir Ali, a Rutgers graduate, is someone who I think is a player who deserved more playing time last season. I'm not going to lie. I felt a little bit salty, um, considering, like, she could have been on a team that maybe gave her more playing time. But I think that she's a lot of promise. Um, The Rutgers graduate is I've talked I talked about her earlier but again she's dynamic she's quick on the ball she's good on both sides of the ball offensively and defensively and yeah I think another another player who's younger is Jaden Shaw you know the 18 year old really impressed last year scoring a few goals in her first few games against Washington and Angel City proving how she's good in the air and with her feet um a very dynamic player who I think we should expect to see on the U.S. team after the World Cup um if she keeps performing like this heck yeah she's so good um watching her is an absolute joy and I think 
we are spoiled to have a player like Jaden Saw in this league who's so good on the ball and in the air as well for a player that, you know, is younger and that's something that a lot of players struggle with in this league and she looks like she's been doing this for 10 years and she's 18, <laughs> which is blows my mind. Um, Naomi Gurma, yeah, doesn't. I When you look at the age, it counts because she's so young, but she's so mature. Um, it's It blows my mind. Another Stanford player, um... Such a smart player as well. I think that's what really makes her game complete. You know, there's a lot of soccer players who are um, really great players, but, you know, they aren't smart with what they do on the ball. And she has, like, a soccer IQ that is so high that you may, you saw in Carly Lloyd and I think you see in Becky Sauerbrunn if you're looking for more of a defensive lens. I think that Naomi Gurma has that. And Megan Rapinoe, um, Alex Morgan at club level have all been in awe in how this rookie has, you know, not really made it seem like a rookie. Where, you know, a lot of people expected Abby Dahlkemper to command the back line of the wave. And when she didn't really play a big part last season, a lot of people were like, oh, maybe this back line wasn't going to work. And Gurma stepped up. She covers so much ground, similar to Sarah Gordon in that perspective of, you know, covering ground, cutting off long balls. I can't wait to see her get more playing time this year. Another player, Kelsey Turnbow. She's been on rosters for more than one year, but last season was her first year actually playing in the NWSL. Uh, I loved her creative. I I think, I don't know what I have to call it. I think like Sixth Sense on the ball. She had almost like an idea. It was like she had eyes in the back of her head when you're watching her. A lot of times rookies, you know, in the midfield especially, when you're on the ball, they're not as comfortable with it and players can strip it away from them and steal it. Uh, leading to easy opportunities. She was just, you know, even though she played a little higher up than uh, a, def- a, mid- a like a typical midfielder, an eight, as she played more of a ten. Like I would think, in between a ten and an eight, an attacking midfielder and a center midfielder, I think that like Korniak was more the ten, Van Eckman was the eight, and then she was like in between almost on the left side. But I think I just loved watching how she was so mature on the ball and she would move around so elegantly on the field. It was like she was just running without the ball. The ball was like a magnet to her foot. The way she would zig and zag on the ball um, was incredible. And I think that that partnership in the midfield of Turnbow and Korniak is going to be one that this franchise will love for years to come, perhaps including someone like a Bella Brady in the future. Who knows? Um, last but not least, this one's a little bit more of a wild card. Melanie Barsanis, um, I hope I pronounced that right, is a U18 non-roster invite. I mean, like, I don't really know too much about her, so I'm going to be really interested to see how, especially this year in general, all the U18 players I'm very curious about. You know, this is the first year of U18 players and that new rule. So it's going to be great seeing them and uh, getting to uh, watch a lot of really good players that are, you know, weren't allowed to play in this league earlier. And players like Moultrie had to fight for it. And Shaw as well. Um, So it'll be good to see her play. I don't really know a lot. I know she does. She's more of a player in up top. It'll be interesting to see how much game time she gets if she even stays on the roster (laughs) after preseason. You know, she's still not on roster invite, has not been contracted yet. But, you know, she's just a wild card, and I just wanted to mention her because all these U18 players are wild cards, except for, you know, ones like Alyssa Thompson, where you know what you're going to get from her, which is excellence. Anyway, let's move on. 
you know, I think that I think watching a team like Gotham versus San Diego style of play was really of interest interest um to me. Whereas Gotham played like a three four three three defend and San Diego played like a four three three attack, I feel like. Like with two almost two attacking mids. Not that high up the field, but um, Turnbow was such a, I, I, I swear, she must have done track and field. The way she ran the length of the field for 90 minutes was really impressive. I think that that was a style of play contrast, considering, you know, we did Gotham last week. The four for free attack was something I found interesting with players on the wings, um, with, uh, Jakob, <laughs> Jakobsen and on the, on the wings alongside, you know, um, a Shaw by the end of the season, perhaps. And maybe this season we'll see Hill on the wing or Ali. It's just uh, windows of opportunity, I think. And maybe even we'll get to see Kelsey Turnbow playing that role. Who knows? This is going to be such an interesting season for the Wave. And I'm really excited to see what they produce. Um, but let's think about who needs to step up, right? This is a team... Let's be, let's be honest. This is a team that has so many great players some of them who were on the team last year needs to step up they need you can't just stay on the team that's not how it works you need there needs to be challenge there needs to be a sense of urgency of and competition for these starting 11 spots and you need that if you don't have that that's that means you can't really function as a proper team where or like a league where you're relying on each other and you're having to fight for each other and fight for those starting 11 spots and that's something that you know teams will hopefully we'll get to see some of that this season and let's look at some players looking at some players that um are interest of interest i think that when you look at the starting 11s of last year i think that some player one player that will have to fight to keep her stop spot is kaylee real with abby dolkemper potentially returning um someone like a Kelsey Turnbow will have to fight with Maggie Doherty Howard and Daniel Colaprico in that midfield. Bella Breedy, especially. I hope her playing time isn't cut too much, but I think it will be cut some amount. And uh, up top, nothing really that'll be cut, I don't think. I think that the playing time will be pretty similar. Um, but I think, yeah, really in the midfield is where it's going to be a lot of the fight for the playing time. There wasn't too many big changes at San Diego. Unlike in our last preview with Gotham, there's not as many changes. And I don't really think that it will affect the team as much as the changes that Gotham made. I think the midfield is a big thing. You know, with new players coming in, you see um, that is a important like part of the team I think that you can look at like as a cornerstone team part of the team this it's the spine right it's the that's that I'm looking for like the spine of the team it's the the middle of the pitch and it's the exact like spot of the team where you need a good player and someone who can control the game and the way have a lot of those in the midfield so now let's move on FIFA ratings. So yes, the end of ESL is in FIFA today, and to honor that, they just announced the ratings of all the players the day I'm recording this. So I want to look at some of the FIFA ratings and talk about who I think should be lower, higher. Morgan 90, Sheridan 85, 
Van Eggman 83, Jakobsen 83, Colaprico 81, Del Kemper 81, Hill 81, Corniak 80, Westfall 80, Gurma 80, Doniak 79, McNabb 79, Telford 79, Real 77, Turnbow 76, Doherty Howard 76, Breedy 76, Pogar 75, and that's all that's on the EA Sports website, so no Jaden Saw. Don't really know what's up to that, to be honest, because I thought that she was a player that would have been higher. So I'm just going to say, I'm assuming that that means she's below 75, which is crap, I think. She's so good. Um, I think that she should be way higher. Turnbow is one player I think should be higher. Just 76 seems really low to me. If you compare it, if you look above, there's players like Doniak who barely got any playing time. And I think Doniak deserves her 79. But I think that if you're doing that in comparison, Turnbow deserves higher. Same with Real as well. 77. Seems low. Doherty, Howard, Breedy, a lot of these seem low. Pogarshes, I think, is also a little low, but she is such good pace that 91 acceleration is going to be handy there. Um, Doherty, Howard, you know, and Breedy are not the quick players on the field. They're more of the technical players. That's reflected in the stats, definitely. Turnbow, you know, she's a wide midfielder in this don't really get that um but Gurma Gurma's 80 that is so wrong Naomi Gurma is the best center back in the NWSL period period end of conversation and you give her an 80 I mean Paula Dudek of PSG is an 86 in FIFA to give you a comparison and Paula Dudek is on the Polish national team not saying she's a bad player she's a good player but Gurma's an 80? That is so wrong. I just don't. I That that hurts me for her. I don't like, I don't appreciate that for Naomi Gurma. And that makes me think, that it made me laugh, to be honest, when I first saw it. I thought it was a joke. I genuinely thought it was a joke. How could you screw up that much and give her an 80? At first, I saw, um, my I got a text about it, the ratings, and I thought I saw it was an 82. Then I, and I, I thought that was crap. And then I see this. It's an 80. That is absurd. And I think that is a joke, to be honest. And I think EA did, I'm really happy that it's in. I love FIFA, for those of you who don't know. So I'm really happy this is in the game. But I also think, like, come on. Some of these, let's be real, they should be higher. And where is Jaden Shaw? That is a question that I am asking myself looking at this uh, list is where is Jaden Shaw? Yeah, um, let's go on to some underrated players, and then we're going to do my favorite part of the episode, a starting lineup. So, we'll be right back after this ad break. Today's episode is sponsored by Yay Graphic Design. Yay Graphic Design is a fast, efficient, innovative branding, print, and digital design with website design and development with a keen eye for details and trends. Yay Graphic Design is your one-stop shop for all things design, simply put. They have been helping the Women's Soccer Podcast with our branding and our logo and a few things coming up very soon. I highly recommend that you support them and look check them out on Instagram at Yay Graphic Design. Now, um, back to this podcast. So, a few players that I think are going to be underrated this season for the San Diego Wave are players that maybe a lot of fans don't really think about on a day-to-day basis. These are players that you don't really 
see on the field a lot and maybe don't get a lot of playing time. And there's probably people that I haven't mentioned so far this episode. That's intentional. I try and keep it so that we get to one player, every player, every ep- at the, every episode. And I save the stars towards the end when we do our starting lineup. So for the preseason roster, an underrated player I think that people can look at this season is... Um, Kristen Westfall and Madison Pogarsh. The pair are outside backs on the team who were typically overlooked last season by Kristen McNabb and um, by Kristen McNabb at that fullback position or have been overlooked with the free back um, system that was typically played. I think that those are players that you know didn't really get the chance to show a lot of their skill sets that I think they'll get to see more this season. Kristen Westfall got more of an established role, I think. Um, but Matt, Madison Pokers, you know, never really could catch up to Kristen McNabb. And I think that those two are a pair of defenders that I think we could see a little bit more. Um, Carly Telford got on the field last season during when Caitlin Sheridan was away. But to be honest, I feel like Carly Telford should go to another team in the NWSL because there's so Caitlin Sheridan is so good and Telford's an amazing goalie. Um but there's I think there's like half the other teams in the league she would be a starter on them. It's just that she's, you know, on the wave where we have where they have um another goalie in Caitlin Sheridan who's arguably one of the best in the world, which is unfortunate for um, Telford, and but I think she's an underrated player. Hopefully, he gets more playing time. And one more last player who I think is underrated, I think Giovanni De Marco is someone who I'm really interested to see this season. I mentioned um, Sierra Enge earlier on this episode, but De Marco and Bryce Gissi, um excuse me, that was clearly flawed pronunciation, but um, our two, the two other draft picks later in the draft, DeMarco is a player who played her college ball at Wake Forest studying in business. I think that she's, as a grad student, has had more of a time not just to flourish in the classroom, but to flourish off the field, and I think that she, um, sometimes when rookies come into the league too young, it almost hurts their growth, and I think playing at college will have helped DeMarco's potential and I think in a very crowded midfield it's going to be interested to see how her and Sierra Enge fit in. Now it's time for the starting 11. Again we talked about the system of play earlier I'm going to be playing a 4-3-3 attack with this team. So let's start in goal. Caitlin Sheridan is our goalie here. Um, No questions asked. This is without injuries. This is just the signed roster. So no need to worry about that. So I think Sheridan's the number one here. Um, Telford is a very solid option at the number two. And um, their drafty Brzezinski um, is a good one for the number three. Again, I'm very sorry for the mispronunciation of that. If anyone knows how to pronounce it, please correct me in the Instagram comments on our podcast. And Please follow us over there on Instagram. So we have Sheridan Nicole at left back. I'm going to have Krista McNabb. She's a player who was on the USA preliminary roster for the CONCACAF W Championship. And I think that she should get a look at the US team sometime soon. In the de- defense, I have Naomi Gurma and Abby Dahlkemper in the middle. Kaylee Real just misses out. I think that these two US players are just too good to beat. Again, Kaylee Real is another one of those players like Carly Telford. Could start on other teams, but she's just on a very deep San Diego Wave team. 
And right back, I see Kristen Westfall sliding, sliding in there to complete that back line. I think that she is a quick player who's very crafty on the ball. I loved watching her um, flourish with the wave last season. One of my favorite moments was in the Challenge Cup when she did a little back heel and she did like a spin move and had a perfect cross to Alex Morgan and she slammed the ball into the back of the net. Uh, that was one of my favorite moves of Westfall this last season and I'm sure we'll see more of it this season. In the midfield... And in the deeper role, I have Kelsey Turnbow and Emily Van Egmond. I think that Maggie Doherty Howard is just going to miss out. Same with Cola Prico. I think that Turnbow, Van Egmond, and Korniak all played so well last season. Well last season. I think that um, Cola Prico and Doherty Howard are not going to get starting spots on day one. They're going to have to earn them. At the, on the forward line, at left wing, I'm going to have Rachel Hill starting. I think that I like watching her play and I think I've enjoyed watching her. I know that I talked about the midfielders not getting to fit in. I think that wingers are a position where, you know, with losing players like Johnson and Taylor, they don't have as much depth anymore in the there. So I think that that's an easier position for her to slot right in at. Um I think a striker, I mean Alex Morgan, of course. The MVP, the everything. Um the golden boot winner. Uh, she didn't win the MVP. She won the team MVP that. San Diego Waves team MVP, to clarify. Um, my opinion, could have won the MVP, uh, but I think she was a candidate that could have had a very strong case. Um, Smith had just as strong of a case. I think that they're both pretty equal. And I have Yakumson at right wing. So, just to clarify... <laughs> I have Sheridan starting at goal. Defense from left to right is McNabb, Gurma, Dahl Kemper, and Westfall. In the midfield, I have Van Egmond and Turnbow. I have Turnbow on the left, Van Egmond on the right, and in more of a eight, a center midfielder position. And I have Korniak in my 10, my attacking midfielder. On the left wing, I have Rachel Hill or Jaden Shaw, one of the two. I've been debating that for... I wanted to just let the viewers know. I've been debating that off uh, screen for a while. I went with Rachel Hill for experience purposes, but I think if Jaden Shaw gets more playing time, she'll get get picked there. But again, this is day one lineup. Alex Morgan at striker and Sophia Yakumson at right wing. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really enjoyed doing a preview on the wave. Let me know if you like these previews, if you want me to do them for all the teams, because I'm willing to. Is there any other content you want me to do? Let me know on our Instagram. Be sure to follow us there and follow us on Apple Podcasts. Click those three dots in your top right-hand corner of your screen and be sure to give us a five-star review down below. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support. And peace out from your host, LDG.